from NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. This is episode 235 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts each week, and thank you for joining us today. We have had the privilege of sharing crossover episodes of the Meet Father Rivers podcast over the years, but today we speak to the creators themselves, Emily Strand and Eric Stiles. Emily and Eric both share the stories of how their lives have been impacted by Father Clarence Joseph Rivers, which led them to create a podcast together, honoring the many ways the Holy Spirit has flowed and continue to flow through his life to others. Today on Ministry Monday, I am speaking to Emily Strand and Eric Stiles. Hi, you guys. How are you today? Great, Amanda. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you both for being on Ministry Monday today to talk about Father Rivers. So you both are hosts of the Meet Father Rivers podcast, and we have been lucky enough to feature a few of the episodes on Ministry Monday, but I have never had the chance to sit down with both of you and chat about the genesis of the podcast and then of course, how you met Father Rivers, and then of course the podcast itself and Father Rivers itself himself. So I thought it would be a good place to start um, by just asking Father Rivers, how did you both meet or encounter Father Rivers? Either of you can start. Well, first of all, thanks so much for featuring our show on Ministry Monday. Um, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, I am a NPM member as well, um, and uh, I so I really value um, music ministers' perspectives. So hi out there. Um, so I was a graduate student at the University of Dayton, and I was asking lots of questions about liturgy. Um, and you know, UD is not necessarily known as a center for liturgy; it's more American Catholic studies. And um, so that's their wheelhouse, and so that's kind of how they answered my questions. You know, in terms of why does Catholic liturgy sometimes seem different, you know, in terms of the musical styles involved than many of the Protestant churches that I had visited with my my friends um, from college? I went to a Methodist undergrad, University of Evansville. And so at Dayton, they said, well, you know, there's some history there that you should look into. And, and uh, Dr. Cecilia Moore, who is a wonderful member of the faculty there at Dayton, has been for many years, she said to me, you know, there's somebody you should talk to in Cincinnati. Um, his name is Father Clarence Rivers. And this was in about 2002. 
And um, she said, he's, uh, he's a, a bit eccentric, but I bet he'd talk to you. He's a, very, a really interesting figure. She didn't tell me a whole lot more than that. So I called him and uh, I agreed within about five minutes of talking to him. Like 30 seconds of talking to him that he was a bit eccentric and uh but he said well just come on just come over and we'll talk so i said okay and so i went over to his house i was in in uh north of cincinnati and he was down right in cincinnati on Birkenbrecher avenue and uh so i i ended up interviewing him several times and writing um a paper for dr moore's class about him which then went on to be the foundation of my master's thesis. So I ended up um, writing my master's thesis about him and got to attend liturgies at, at which he presided and, and that he had some design influence over and uh, got to interview him several more times and he introduced me to, to people. So, so really that was my, and then I defended my master's thesis and um, two days later I got a phone call from Father Paul Marshall that Father Rivers had died. And so it was a short encounter um, and somewhat fleeting but uh, but it was really I had a, a long lasting impression on me. Um, thanks, Emily. Um, so uh, part of our story uh, in the podcast is we tell these stories about our meeting. So um, you know, shameless plug. Uh, I met Father Rivers. It had to have been similar in time, a little bit earlier than Emily. Might have been ninety nine, two thousand, uh, and I was living in Cincinnati. Uh, I went to the University of Cincinnati. I'm a, originally a Chicagoan. And uh, I was at the University of Cincinnati, and I was worshiping in a parish called St. Martin de Porres, a parish of happy memory, no longer no longer there. Uh, and uh, we were downtown. I'd heard about Father Rivers. I had read his name. He The the, the original Leave Me, Guide Me hymnal is dedicated to him. Um, and I'd heard his name, read about him, but not seen him or or, or or met him. And so I, uh, we were at the cathedral uh, at uh, in Cincinnati during November, which is Black Catholic History Month, for a special liturgy. And there were a number of people, a uh, number of priests and deacons there, and I was looking to see were there any Black priests or deacons that I had never met um, as they were processing in. I was in the choir uh, behind the altar. And I remember... I don't, rem I don't remember exactly what song we were singing at that time, but I remember seeing someone in a in what I would call, you know, a rather drab um, chasuble. That's the outer garment that the priests wear. Um, and uh, with all the others uh, wearing the same chasuble, but he had on a bright blood red um, alb, which is kind of a contradiction because alb is the root word of the of alb is white, right? Uh, the undergarment that uh, that ministers wear uh, at the liturgy, and or the basic garment, I should say, um, and it was bright red with blood, blood red and red, black, and green embroidery uh, on the on the skirt and on the sleeves, uh, and gold with you know gold. Uh, um, uh, a thread, uh, and then he had on a pectoral cross, a giant pectoral cross. It was black with a black dove in the middle of it, red, black, and green. He had on rings on his fingers. Uh, he had on he had a bald, shaved head, goatee, uh, and uh, uh, studs, diamond studs in his ears. 
Uh, he had on horn rim, horn rimmed glasses on his nose, kind of low down his nose, you know. Uh, and um, he was a very short man. Uh, and then the piece de resistance were the red patent leather gym shoes, red red patent leather filas uh, with tan soles. Uh, and so that really, really blew my mind. And I leaned over and said, who is that? I mean, literally, while we're singing, who is that? And the which, person next which means the outfit achieved its effect. That's right. <laughs> uh, and uh, the person next to me said, oh, that's just Father Rivers. And I, I kid you not, I just, I knew I sang with greater enthusiasm and excitement after after realizing who that was and i remember thinking if he can be catholic i can be catholic right like if he can be black and catholic because uh, he was just so black you know <laughs> right i uh, i i could be catholic and i didn't meet him that day uh i met him later also sent uh, by my pastor to meet him at his house on urken brecker and we became he became a mentor for me uh and uh, and i think a friend uh, and uh, spent a good bit of time with him. Uh, was able to work on a couple of projects with him over those over the course of those years. And he died in 2004, so probably about five or so years. Got a chance to to be in his presence and talk to him regularly. Um, I, I I I talked to him the day he died. So you know, um, unex not knowing him, of course, uh, and uh, just a huge impression. So both of you encountered him separately. Mm -hmm. How did you both? you know, meet each other and then decide to do the the podcast? What was the Genesis story there? Well, we kept oh. we, we kept hearing about each other. Mm -hmm. This is after yeah. he died, years after he died. Uh, we yeah. kept hearing about each other. Well, and I, I remember sitting in his funeral, sitting at his funeral at the cathedral, which is very crowded. There's lots of people there. And I remember, and I was with my parents, and I remember looking around the room and thinking, I don't know any of these people. Like, I don't, you know, I only met him for just a brief amount of time and I don't know these people. And I feel like he was my way into something that I found really exciting and really life-giving, namely black Catholicism, you know, and um, especially American black Catholicism. And and I I just was so, had been so enthused about about being part of that and, and, and tapping into that through him that I thought it felt cut off to me. And I thought, I don't know how to approach these people. I don't know who these people are. And and Eric was part of that because Eric was was serving at the the funeral so. and his yeah. name was listed on the back as as um, somebody who, you know, part, participated in the planning of it and everything. And and so and then and then for years people would say, I was talking to somebody the other day and he reminded me a lot of you. It was weird. He was like He's like really excited about liturgy and then also like talk, kept talking about Father Clarence Rivers. And I was like, you're the, you know, the people would say, you're the only other person I know who talks about Father Clarence Rivers. And I was like, who is this guy? Well, he's a, you know, he's, he's a Jesuit, he's a novice, you know, so he's, I don't know, you know, somebody gave me an email address for him at one point and I reached out to him, but I, it was not the right email address because now I know Eric actually does respond to emails, <laughs> especially when the subject is Father Clarence Rivers. <laughs> so. Right. That was off by one one letter. You know, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was like it Eric J. Styles or something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, that's not his no, email, no, everyone. It's not his email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want the email. I get I'll take the email. Meet fatherrivers at gmail.com. So, um, so, yeah, so we finally, so the pandemic hit. Um, George Floyd died, was murdered. And, and I had had a growing feeling you know, over the past few years, even before that, that 
the father I was I was an early adopter of podcasts. So I've I've been podcasting since like 2007. And and so I've always believed in the platform and it's it's really exploded, you know, in in the last 5 years or so. And so I was thinking, and I, I, I've always thought, I need to do stuff with my work on Father Rivers. You know, Dr. Moore has always talked to me um, uh, from UD. She's always said, you know, you had really something very exclusive there. You know, you had these, these thoughts that he shared with you and, you know, always encouraged me to do something. Um, I, I've, I've given lectures about him. I've written articles about him, um, but it never seemed enough. It never seemed like I was really reaching people with who this person is and why you know, when everybody else's jaws were hitting the floor with regard to what happened to George Floyd and so many other, you know, black people in the face of police brutality, why my jaw wasn't on the floor. I was just, I just felt like I, I already knew something about this story and, and I already had a perspective beyond myself. You know, there's so many people reaching out wanting to get this perspective, you know, beyond themselves. And I, I thought as a young person, I had this handed to me on a you know, gold-plated platter by Father Rivers. And I was able to- Literally I've been able, gold-plated. Yeah, literally gold-plated. And I've, I've been able to carry that. I'm so many insights just about why, why, why would he dress like that? Why is it, why is it a, you know, why did Eric look at somebody dressed like that and say, he's so black? You know, what does that mean? Those kinds of insights, I felt like I really wanted to not only amplify and, and keep pursuing, but I wanted to share with other people. Um, and, and so I thought about the podcast. I, I got the, you know, the name of the podcast popped into my head because I, I just felt like I really wanted other people to meet Father Rivers the way I did. And so I thought, all right, it's time to find this person, Eric, Eric Stiles. It was funny, Eric actually, can I say this, Eric, he, he applied for my job at UD when I left my job at Dayton, which was like director of liturgy. Did not get it, Mr. <laughs> Sullivan. He got it. <laughs> Poor Crystal. Crystal Sullivan did not get the job, but it's okay. <laughs> he got another nice job. So, so he, but it was funny because then, you know, then I, I had a trace on this guy. I was like, okay, all right. So he went and some, so somebody said he works at Notre Dame now. So I said, okay, so I, Notre Dame has got a website and stuff, you know, it's like a legit place, you know, I could find him. So I, so I did, I did it reach out to Eric. It is a legit place. <laughs> Eric is a legit guy at a legit place. With so a legit I, website that you can find. The, <laughs> yeah, everybody but didn't get Eric. that job, but didn't get that job. Just whatever. <laughs> right. Crystal oh, Sullivan. You know, legit. No. Email that. We're on a committee with her. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, so no, we're involved with Crystal with another project now. So he really is joking. Um, so so we uh, so we connected, and we we had a Zoom, and. We uh, talked for three hours. This is early in the Zooming, right? Before the <laughs> pandemic, I know nothing about Zoom. I didn't care about Zoom. And it's not my favorite thing in the world, even now. I love you. but uh, And uh, this was, that's right. We, we, we talked for three hours. She did not mention that we also have other shared interests. So, yes. uh, and that helped, right? Uh, yes. So we are friends, I think, right? I think. You think? Uh, yeah, right. We'll see. Uh, the jury's still out. Because like we both really like pop cultures genre fiction more specifically star wars and star trek so especially star trek yes especially we share that i mean i like star wars i really like star wars i watch it all uh but um we also really love to talk about that stuff right so yeah. um and, and i think and that's art, probably some deep con- yeah that's, that's probably some deep connection to all of this because i think father rivers likes star trek so there you go 
We think uh, we're not. Yeah. We can't. Pretty, we can't no, no, confirm I, I'm, that. I'm, I, I can. I can confirm that he liked Star Trek. I don't know how if he was a fanatic, but he liked Star Trek. <laughs> he didn't have time. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, we're both passionate about art and aesthetics, and and also how they come together in the church's art form, which is the liturgy. And you know, we have lots of opinions on. Um, liturgy some, some that we share others that we debate about and uh you know it's just yeah it's been really life-giving we have a lot of strange life we're both the youngest of five children um our yeah. initials are es when i when i write people back from the meet father rivers um gmail address i always sign my emails es and then i have to put in parentheses emily strand because it could also be eric Stiles. <laughs> so you know it's just the more we learn about each other the more we're like oh yeah me too yeah Oh, okay. My Similar my personalities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I actually do have a brother, Eric, so I have to distinguish. Yeah, you could have to. Okay, I can have so, to. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we just had a, 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 a connection early on. And um, and so Emily did the first four without me, the first four uh, episodes. I think I come in on episode five. Uh, and then we go on to interview people. And, you know, we talked just about a little bit about the uh, the podcast. We just, we look for people who have some connection, whether it be personal or not, but usually personal um, with Father Rivers and can tell a story about if they met him, how they met him uh, and why he, why his work, why his ministry, his legacy is really important. And then, you know, usually they have a story that we also get to tell. Right. So we get a chance to, you know, a more recent episode is with Marjorie Gabriel Burrow, who was one of the editors of Leave Me Guide Me, the first Leave Me Guide Me. Really? So just the here, ringleader editor. Yes. Yes. Really? Like, yeah. So, you know, uh, and she's in Detroit. So get a chance for her to for us to hear her story or William Foster McDaniels, who's in his McDaniel, who is in his 80s and still who's one of the Father Rivers collaborators and arrangers. Wow. Um, and so like. He he's still playing. He's still gig gigging, even though he's retired. Uh, he still goes and leaves leaves home and and you know and leaves the state and, and goes and gigs. So, um, so get a chance to talk to those folks as well as to think occasionally to have a little forum to talk about some piece of music. We've got one coming up with a friend of mine and comp uh, composer and arranger, who's uh, who will uh, share. We'll sit together and 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 reflect on an album uh, that we that father rivers uh produced um so he also uh knew father rivers so you know just a really you know just a great opportunity to, to explore this unique distinct perspective that really was um groundbreaking and that we think needs to be resur resurfaced so that people can um can take in take it in and help them understand what really is happening in the liturgy and what might make for effective liturgy, effective worship. That's, a, that's his language. It needs to be effective. You know, um, it's doing something. And what is it that it's doing? On a human level, it's doing something. Mm -hmm. And for those who are listening and aren't super familiar yet with Father Rivers, that was obviously part of his mission. How then... In terms of the podcast, it's not so much just a music podcast. Right. Um, it's it's a liturgical podcast, and it's it's so much more than just that because Father Rivers was so much more than just that. Um, but you have this opportunity, like you said, to touch on different aspects of his life and his ministry with the different people he encountered. Mm -hmm. 
Um, was that always your intention with the podcast or did it just kind of like spring that way as you started to brainstorm and see how it would go? I, I think it was always the intention, but I I think, you know, you're always delighted and surprised. Even though you know that that's the case when you when it's confirmed and someone says something in, uh, in a conversation that you just didn't, you know, like, oh, yes. And then you get just it's like turning a, a beautiful jewel right you keep turning it you keep seeing new things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and you delight every time you turn it around one more time oh it's still delightful right yeah <laughs> right? you know yeah you know even like one example of that is he 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 taught at purcell high school which was a, mm -hmm. at the time an all-boys high school in cincinnati and that is just what young priests did you know you 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 got you got ordained you got assigned to a parish and pretty soon you got assigned to teach theology at a high school well he he and they probably only taught there for four or five years, you know, but he started a drama troupe or revived it. We're not sure. He taught literature courses um, rather than theology. Perfect for him. Um, and he touched the lives of these young men, mostly white young men who joined his theater troupe or who, who he coaxed into his theater troupe, some of whom he coaxed in because he knew they were ex experiencing great personal loss. And so he pulled them into this theater troupe and had them act and had them get in touch with their feelings as young white men in the late 50s. I mean, what a service, right? And these men to a person, the ones that survive, are deeply, deeply touched by him. Talk about him as the mentor of a lifetime. You know, talk about his kindness toward them, the, the excellence that he taught them, the, the way of uh, the ways of being playful with the English language, of enjoying music and art and, and keeping those, you know, central to your life, even if you don't grow up to be an artist, which many of them did. One of them is a is a now a professor emeritus of theater um, at, I think, Eastern Michigan. We interviewed him. And, mm -hmm. and the crazy thing is that these this group of men, almost to a person, all went off ha having to fight in the Vietnam War. Several of them did not come back. The ones that came back were deeply changed, deeply injured. Some of them struggled with addiction after the fact, mental health crises after the fact. But the ones that survived talk about how the things that he taught them in, the, in that period really sustained them for a lifetime. And it's, I mean, we did not, I did not expect, I expected these guys to have some funny stories about Father Rivers. And it turned out to be such a profound experience um, talking to them, we're still, we're still, you know, hearing about, uh, you know, there's, there's reverberations. And I mean, you know, journalists will probably tell you, I'm, I'm not a journalist. Uh, I'm a musician. I'm a liturgist. I'm a religion teacher. Um, but journalists will probably tell you to solely focus on one person for a long form project is a mistake, you know, but here's the thing. He is a key, you know, to a larger world right and so he is this this window of insight into this larger world that that we can enter through talking about him and his life and his work and his words and his music you know um and and so that's what we pursue you know it's in our season two intro we talk about how we we talk about him and the movement he began um and it was a movement um and and so we're we're here you know so so every part of his life is ends up being relevant to that. And, and like Eric says, we get to tell a lot of other cool stories about other cool figures along the way 
Um, you know, it even led us to be able to interview Cardinal Gregory, uh, which was really amazing. Um, and he was like started choking up talking about Father Rivers on our podcast, which we were like, oh my gosh. And then the Cardinal choked up and then <laughs> what's next? You know, um, so yeah, we, and we can't wait. I mean, there's so many more. Ron Harbor, you know, is somebody who we interviewed. This is some of our most popular episodes. Um, sorry, Cardinal Gregory, but <laughs> no, he's catching up. He's catching. <laughs> they're all they're all you know well listened to episodes, and so and it's it's just great. It's been great to hear the response from people and pe people for whom those light bulbs are going off. You know, um, listening to the episodes, and it's just so encouraging. Since you started, have has anyone reached out to you after you started and said, I'd like to be interviewed? I think I have something I'd like to contribute. Yeah, Michael Jonkis did. <laughs> so yeah, Michael Jonkis did. Um, Lewis Cantor. Brother Lewis Cantor. He was one of the first ones to reach out to us and say, Father Rivers really influenced me as a musician. And so we we interviewed Lewis Cantor. At, uh, at Michael Jonkis, like I said, Michael Jonkis said, as a young man, um, that he understood what it meant to compose for liturgy from listening to Father Rivers' albums wow. because he understood that it can't just be some symphonic, you know, I mean, the guy was was writing, composing Bartok, you know, kind of fan compositions. <laughs> he was mimicking Bartok as a child, you know, Michael Jonkis and making these, mm. up these little tunes. But he realized that as a liturgical composer, you have to compose something that could be sung a cappella, or it could be sung with an orchestra. It could be performed with an orchestra. And he said, Father Rivers' music helped teach me that. He said he he bought all that, all of his expensive <laughs> parchment, you know, self self published, you know, pieces of music. And uh, yeah, he was that was a great interview. So yeah, we do we do have people reach out. For those who are listening who are not familiar with Father Rivers, obviously you've, you've shared already great stories and clearly you can get a much clearer picture when you listen to the podcast, shameless plug, but, um, Thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I, Father Rivers is going to be someone that we in the association learn about this year, especially and focus on, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but to someone who's listening, who may have never encountered him before. And this is a massive ask of you, so I understand that. Um, can you give a very quick, small summary of who who was Father Rivers? Sure. Um, so he was born in 1931 in Selma, Alabama, uh, and moved with his family to Cincinnati uh, as a young young boy, uh, and became Catholic uh, through Catholic education, uh, and uh, was enamored early on with the liturgy. And was an altar server all the way through school and went to high school seminary and went straight through. Uh, and he was the first black priest, black man to be ordained for the archdiocese for the archdiocese of Cincinnati. He wasn't the first black That's right. priest from the archdiocese of Cincinnati, but he's the first black person to be ordained for the archdiocese. And in nineteen fifty-six, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can break in just to say, I think as a young person hearing that story for the first time, I thought, oh, that's interesting. There were no black men who wanted to be priests before that. 
But right. that's, no, that's white not. naivety. And the fact is they weren't allowed in the seminary. All black candidates for seminary were sent to Bay St. Louis. And Father Rivers made the conscious choice not to go to Bay St. Louis. They would take him at Cincinnati. And this was a kind of a first, uh, a second, I think, because um, there was one man ordained out of uh, Cincinnati Seminary ahead of him, but he went off to serve in um, a majority black country. Um, so Father Rivers was the second person to complete the second black person to complete seminary in Cincinnati because they just weren't allowed to before that. It was a segregated segregated situation. And so and so that in itself is a huge accomplishment. So sorry, I wanted to break in there. Eric, you want so, to keep going? Yeah, so so the I think that he's ordained in 56 uh and uh was assigned both to uh, a parish as an assistant pastor, associate pastor, as well as to Purcell, which was then was Purcell, now Purcell Marion. Uh, and uh, taught there and was encouraged by what he calls a conservative pastor to begin to work with the congregation in the parish, which was a mixed parish, which was a, a changing parish, right? The neighborhood was becoming more and more black. It was not an all black parish, but it was becoming more and more black. And uh, uh, because of the neighborhood, uh, St. Joseph's parish and uh, near downtown Cincinnati. And, uh, uh, to work with the sisters, the Oldenburg Franciscans, uh, to uh, to enliven the liturgy that people were, uh, the the pastors were something like the people people weren't were going to church only to catch hell uh, to, to avoid catching hell, right? Uh, so you know that he wanted the pastor wanted them to be more involved, more engaged, and so Father Rivers uh, began to work with them liturgically. Uh, to encourage that. And that eventually led to him, among other young priests, uh, early on in the, uh, as the count, the Second Vatican Council was happening in 1960s, right, early 1960s, to start composing music. And he had an inspiration uh, while uh, during turbulence on a plane uh, and uh, was, af was afraid and, and nervous and anxious. And so pulled his breviary out. And he said that was one of the early experimental English breveries um, and began to read it. And the text was God is love. Uh, and uh, and so he turned that, you know, while on the plane, turned that that text, uh, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him uh, into a melody. And that grew uh, and uh, eventually Somehow, I'm not exactly sure, but somehow that song, he ended up singing that song in 1964. This is the 60th anniversary of, of the first Mass in English. And he sang that song at the first Mass in English. Wow. Uh, and it was a hit. It was a communion song. Uh, and yeah, the, uh, the rumor is they they kept he keep he, coming back. They yeah. kept calling him back to sing more of it and more of it and more of it. And it was like a 10 minute standing ovation because this is what and I, your listeners will be, I hope, so interested in this. This is like the first contemporary music of note that like went viral across our country, you know, in terms of he wrote this this music and it it wasn't. Italian and German Renaissance art music, you know, Palestrina and all that stuff. It wasn't that. It was something really different. And the fact was, it, it was folk music. It was folk music. And of course, this ushered in a wave of Catholic folk music that came along with Ray Rep and the St. Louis Jesuits and, and all of those people that followed, Michael Jonkis himself and all of those people that followed. But Father Rivers is sort of the figure 
And his songs were the songs that gave people permission to do that. And what's interesting has always been so interesting to me. And these are the questions I was asking as a graduate student. Why does our music sound like this? And that's why Dr. Cecilia Moore said, go talk to Father Rivers about why. And, and the fact is, though, what we've lost along the way is that the gateway into this contemporary music in our Catholic Church was Black sacred song, was the American classical idiom which is black sacred song, which is jazz, which is blue. I mean, this is our song, right? This is our American song. And so it got outshined. It definitely got outshined by the folk music movement that followed. And when I say folk, I mean white folk. Um, but Father Rivers' music really helped to start, and his efforts, his efforts at, at incarnate, uh, enculturation, like Eric referred to in his own parish, he started a movement of embracing black culture in Catholic worship and intentionally and to help make people's participation in liturgy more effective, energetic, um, con converting, you know, for people to actually feel a sense of conversion, a sense of, self of their own salvation as they participate in liturgy rather than just going through the motions of a, a, a style of liturgy that was really um, a colonizing force on them. Yeah, can, right? this, can, can I jump in and talk a little bit about uh, what he calls, uh, what he means by effective, effective worship. So mm -hmm. worship has a purpose, right? It's to make, in some ways, make us more human. Uh, and so, uh, and metanoia, change of mind and heart, uh, uh, catharsis, these are the terms that he that he would use to describe the purpose of worship is to is to make life more meaningful, more meaning filled, more soulful. And he uses the he double the doubles the L's to to um to emphasize that it's uh the full of soul, right? And uh and so he says that these are the things and, and that and that worship is an art form that uses that's a distinct art form that uses all of the arts to impact the senses and the mind and the heart uh, to, to lead to transformation. And that worship is drama. And what, me, what he means by drama is that it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And one thing flows from the next. And the better they flow, the more people might be moved and the more they will say, this was, you know, was not God present. Um, and so I, I think that's the that's some of the thrust of, of of what Father Rivers' method of effective worship was about was the was the doing of worship. He was very much interested in the history of worship, but not more than the doing of worship. And he said mm -hmm. he was a liturgist. Uh, and that many people who called themselves liturgists were actually liturgiologists, right? That they were they were they were scholars of of the of the ideas around liturgy, but they that they often had low to no facility for effective liturgy, right? Doing and, and liturgy. He, he also felt that again, drawing on black culture was, you know something that he was doing intentionally to create effective worship. And he thought black culture, there's aspects of black culture that 
are especially useful. That were gifted. That were gifted in that, you know, they're gifts to the church and that the church needs to receive them better, right? Um, because refusing that gift is is just refusing a whole aspect of our inheritance. Um, and so so these are important. And, you know, just to kind of close the loop on his, his life story. So, you know, um, he went on to write... Um, Another mass setting called Mass for the Brother Mass for the Brotherhood of Man, Mass dedicated to the Brotherhood of Man, that was performed at the Newport Jazz Festival um, to a standing ovation um, in the in the early seventies, I believe. Um, he went on to a, a host TV specials. Um, he went on to perform with the Hawkins family, uh, the Gospel Greats. Um, he he went on to a lot of great heights. He wrote books. He eventually got a PhD. Um, and he uh, wrote many more compositions. When Cardinal Gregory heard it in the seminary, he was a he was a teenager, you know, a high schooler in the seminary, and he was the only black man, you know, in in his class. And and he said his choir master came out and, and he said, "I have a new music, piece of music to teach everyone." And it's it's somebody the composer is from Wilton's tradition, and you know, everybody turns and looks at at Cardinal Gregory, then Wilton. And and he was like, you know, he, he described it as a moment is like, this could go either way, you know, how's this gonna go? But he said the music was beautiful. And everybody thought that, everybody reacted that way, that this music, it was God is love. And and so the and so he was so proud because he felt represented in the church's music. Look at what someone who has an experience like that as a young person can go on to do. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just phenomenal. Clearly, I wish we could go for another, you know, 35, 40 minutes on this topic. And, but thankfully, I don't have to worry about that as much because I am able to forward and give a promotion and encouragement for our listeners to go listen to your podcast. So Meet Father Rivers is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, is it also available at meetfatherrivers.com? Um, we don't have that so much oh. uh, as we yeah. have. Um, yeah, we so Libs, we were hosted by Libs and Libs and has a, 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 Just Google a website. Rivers. Yeah. So yeah. you can you can get it from all the normal places like Spotify and Apple, Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. But you can also just Google Meet Father Rivers and the site that are that are um, that you can stream it at is will be one of the first things that comes up. Okay, yeah. so Google Meet Father Rivers. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that we will be able to continue the conversation on Father Rivers at this year's NPM convention. One of the plenum addresses will be provided by Ron Harbour, and his title of his plenum is Precious Memories, Three Fountains of Catholic Faith, Father Clarence Joseph Rivers, Sister Thea Bowman, FSPA, and Mr. Leon Roberts. So that'll be one of the plenums at this year's NPM convention in Kansas City. So I'm looking forward yes. very much to it. Yes, I know. Ron is a great he, he's Ron is a great supporter of our podcast. He actually um uh composed and performs our theme music for the podcast. So uh yeah. Big friend of the show. Well, thank you both so much, not just for your time today, but for all of the time and effort I know it takes to put a podcast together. Um, both of you are clearly incredibly busy, but the work that you are doing, I really do believe is a form of ministry. 
uh, sharing the story of Father Rivers and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through what you're doing, because clearly it's opening different stories and the lives he impacted and the spirit that flows from that is so apparent. So thank you both for sharing the spirit through you. And um, thank you for all of the time that you're doing um, to honor Father Rivers' life and help us to see his work and continue in it. So thank you both for your time today. Thanks, Thank Amanda. you. Thanks again to Emily and Eric, both for being on the podcast today and also for their work on the Meet Father Rivers podcast. For more information about their podcast, simply Google Meet Father Rivers wherever you go in your web browser to search, whether that is Google or somewhere else. Just search Meet Father Rivers and you will find them online or wherever you listen to your podcasts each week. For more information about Ron Harbour's upcoming plenum address, which will include Father Clarence Joseph Rivers, check out npm.org for more information about the 2024 NPM National Convention. Registration for the convention opens on February 15th. The recording of Sing to Your Name was produced by GIA Publications. It was written by Roger Holland. And today's theme music for the episode was written by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next time on Ministry Monday. All the earth shall bow down.